From the food we eat, the air we breathe, the land we dwell, to the health of our body and mind and the well-being of all things in the universe. Unlock the science with Chula Radio Plus. Welcome to Unlock the Science. I'm Virada Salim. In the first season of Unlock the Science, we talk about the aging society and the fact that our world still fails to adequately feed hundreds of millions of people. Scientists are also developing new technologies in producing more and better food. Today, we will present another situation of our global population. The number of people living on our planet is shrinking. The number of people living on the Earth is expected to peak at 9.73 billion in 2064, before falling down by almost 1 billion, or almost 10%, to 8.79 billion by the end of the century, or by the year 2100. This is only fewer than 80 years from now. According to a study by Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation of University of Washington in Seattle, United States, published in July 2020, 23 countries, including Japan, Thailand, and Spain, were forecasted to see their populations shrink by more than a half by the year 2100. The global shrinking population is due mainly to falling fertility rate. Fertility rate is the average number of children a woman gives birth to in her lifetime. If the number falls below approximately 2.1, then the size of population starts to fall. In 1950, women were having an average of 4.7 children in their lifetime. This global fertility rate nearly halved to 2.4 in 2017, and a study by University of Washington in Seattle has projected that this rate would drop to 1.66 by 2100. In the year 2100, or roughly 80 years from now, India will replace China as the most populous country in the world with a population of 1.09 billion. The other four most populous countries will be Nigeria with 791 million, China with 732 million, the United States with 336 million, and Pakistan with 248 million. This projection means China's population would plummet almost by a half too. The dropping of global fertility rate is due to the fact that currently more women are in education and at work and have greater access to contraception, leading to women choosing to have fewer children. The shrinking population is a global issue. By the year 2050, 151 countries were forecasted to have a fertility rate lower than the replacement level of 2.1. And by 2100, that number of countries would rise to 183 out of 195 countries in the world. By that time, the world will also see more older people than younger people, with 2.37 billion individuals older than 65 years, while 1.70 billion individuals younger than 20 years. Japan is certainly a good case study of demographic challenges many other countries will be facing soon. In Japan, the main demographic challenges is currently the declining population, not the aging population. 
the population of Japan has peaked at 128 million in its 2010 census and dropped to 127 million in just five years later. The decline in the 2015 census was the first in the census history in Japan. In about 30 years from now, or in 2050, Japan's population will lose slightly over one-fifth to 100 million, according to a prediction by National Institute of Population and Social Security Research of Japan. The projection continues to say that the population of Japan will continue to slide and come down to 88 million in 2065. This means the country will lose about 30% of its population in only 43 years from now. This declining population is compounded by the fact that Japan is the most aged society in the world. According to a 2019 paper by Dr. Reiko Hayashi, Deputy Director General of National Institute of Population and Social Security Research. In 2015, over 26% of the country's population aged 65 or beyond. The proportion rose to 28% in 2019 and is expected to jump to nearly 40% in 2050s. The fertility rate in Japan has been declining for a long time and as early as the end of 1950s, it went below the replacement level of 2.1. Dr. Hayashi told Unlock the Science that in dealing with the shrinking and aging population, Japan has encouraged more women to work by providing maternal leave and nurseries for their children, welcomed more foreign workers by allowing medium-skilled migrants, and extended the retirement age and encouraged older people to work, these are all to mitigate the shortage of laborers in the country. We will learn more about the demographic situation in Japan from Unlock the Science editor and producer Sinfat Ansara Wu's interview with Dr. Reiko Hayashi, Deputy Director General, National Institute of Population and Social Security Research in Japan. Dr. Hayashi is also currently President of Asian Population Association, whose Secretariat office is based in Nakhon just outside of Bangkok. Japan is an aging society while its population is on decline. Are these issues a major concern of the Japanese government and its people? Yes, it is a very big issue. However, um, it, is, it is not a recent issue. We have started our population projection and since a long time, and the first population projection we made was back in 1940. At the time, we have forecasted that population will increase, but will stop increasing and starts to decline from 2005. So how many years ago? 80, 60, 80 years ago already, we knew that this population decline will start. So. We have a long history, how to deal with, first with population aging, then population decline. But anyway, uh, recently, as we are really having population decline, this is the major issue for all of us. There are many issues. For example, we have shortage of labor. Our unemployment rate has been low, but, it is also low right now. 
and because we don't have enough labor. So because of this shortage of labor, we have many policies so that we will encourage women to work, women labor participation, and also recently, very recently, introducing migrants. We have annual governmental policy and we have expanded little by little. And the big change has been something like in 1918 uh, in, in to 2019, when we have created the specified skilled worker in addition to the expansion of uh, short-term intern traineeship, intern trainee. So um, at the time when we created this um, status of visa, which is called specified skill, that means that we are now accepting middle-skilled labor. Before we said we do not accept low-skilled labor, but now we have changed. What do you see as the demographic situation in Japan in, let's say, 2050 or about 30 years from now? How do you see your population situation? Yes, so um, it's a good question because I checked again. Our, our institute conduct the national um, future population projection. So um, according to this projection in 2050, our population is going to be around 100 million. And 100 million is a kind of benchmark because um, back in 1950, we are saying that we should have 100 million population so that we have enough um, market size so that there is the Japanese company to produce goods and they have enough people to buy it. So in our mind, 100 million is our population. Uh, one thing is that we, if we don't die, then there is no population, there is no uh, disappearance of Japan. And this might be possible. This might be possible. Some people are saying it. Um, one thing I have to say about this longevity extension in Japan, and like in, I think in Thailand, and for example, in Korea, our life expectancy is keep on increasing. And then we are measuring also healthy life expectancy because it is important to strengthen that it is not only the life expectancy, but we have to live longer and healthier. And we have set one particular um, indicator so that we can measure the healthy life expectancy. And this healthy life expectancy keep on increasing. So we are living longer and healthier. We need the wise policy. What do you think are wise policies? Smart policy or wise policy? The wise policy is to catch the needs of people by evidence. So do the survey 
and get the needs and respond. Okay. We are not always successful on that. For example, we've been saying we have to raise, we have to, we have we have been saying we are not having enough fertility, but then we are not providing enough nursery. And the young mother, young couple were fighting to get the, a, a place for a nursing nursery. Quickly started to include the infertility treatment to be covered by in, the health insurance. It will start this April. Um, that can be also one of the important policies in Asian countries because people get Average marriage age is increasing. And uh, when people get married at age 30, then that is the time already. It is not, not very easy to have, um, to, to become pregnant naturally. So many people were spending a lot of money for infertility treatment, artificial reproductive, using artificial technology, uh, artificial reproductive technology. And they have to um, take a leave from work and so on and so forth. So we have decided that it will be covered by insurance so that it will be affordable. That is Unlock the Science editor and producer Sinfat and Sarawood talking to Dr. Ray Gohayashi, Deputy Director General, National Institute of Population and Social Security Research in Japan. We will take a short break now. You are listening to Unlock the Science on Chula Radio Plus. In Thailand, currently about one-fifth of its total population of about 17 million, ages 60 or older. This aging society will also be compounded by its shrinking population soon. According to a study by College of Population Studies, Jilalongkorn University, published in 2021, the population growth rate of Thailand peaked at 3.0% per year on average in 1960-1965. Since then, the population growth has slowed down, falling by half in 1985-1990 to and plunging below 1% per year in 2005-2010. Thailand's population growth rate is expected to approach zero in 2025-2030, when its population is expected to reach its peak at 70.4 million. After that, the number of Thai people will start to slide. The study by the College of Population Studies based its figures on the projections by the United Nations Population Division in 2019. In a period of 20 years between 2030 and 2050, the population of Thailand will shrink by 4.4 million or 6.3%. During this period, more Thai people will die than those will be born. Thailand's Ministry of Public Health said in September 2021 that the country already saw the number of newborns equal to the number of deaths for the first time in 2021, which meant there was no growth through births in Thai population in the year. 
The ministry also said that the fertility rate of Thai women aged 15 to 49 currently stood at 1.53, which is much lower than the replacement rate of 2.1. The ministry said if this situation continued, the population of Thailand might plummet to only 36 million in just 20 years from now. The low fertility rate in Thailand was a result of the very successful family planning and birth control in the country decades ago. Unlike many European countries or what Japan is trying to do, Thailand has not yet seriously explored the option of welcoming migrants to fill out the shortage of laborers and as a measure to raise its population. Currently, migrant workers, most of whom are employed in low-skilled jobs, come from Myanmar, Cambodia, and Laos. But Thailand may not be able to rely on migrant workers from Myanmar much longer, as the population in Myanmar is also aging. We will learn more about the demographic challenges of Thailand from Associate Professor Dr. Wirapon Potisiri from College of Population Studies, Jualongon University, as she talks to Unlock the Science editor and producer, Sinfa Tansarawut. The population is aging fast and soon will start to decline in number. What is the projection of population situation in Thailand in about 30 years from, from now? The population growth rate of Thailand is projected to approach zero in 2027, which is um, about five years from now. So at that time, the population, um, the total population of the country will reach 70.4 million, which is the largest number ever. So, and then between 2030 and 2050, which is 20 years ahead, um, it's expected that um, our country will face depopulation phenomenon. So the size will shrink by 4.4 million or 6.3% of its size in 2030. Based on the projection you just mentioned that we, we're going to expect uh, declining or shrinking population actually quite soon. So what should the Thai government and the general public be aware of in, prepare, in preparing for dealing with such situation? Yeah, I think, you know, the topic fertility decline has received much attention by our government and more recently by the public. So in, in terms of, you know, like, um, in terms of the government actions, we can see that our government has taken several steps, you know, several measures trying to increase the fertility level and at the same time dealing with population aging. So, I mean, this is, you know, because we have very rapid fertility decline. So we have, you know, so we end, so we become aging society very rapidly as well. So because, you know, it changed population structure. So in trying to increase fertilities, um, our government has attempted to improve also, you know, the quality of birth. So it has been done through like, you know, prevention of adolescent pregnancies with Adolescent pregnancy is one of our country major public health problem. So, so the government has initiated a program to roll out folic acid 
for women for the you know pregnancy preparations and also recently has launched a new campaign um, you may heard of it having baby for our nations um, I think early this year and then you know higher percent of singlehood among you know reproductive population is also will as an important factor. So we also see that, that our government try to increase the likelihood of getting marriage among, you know, like this, this group of, you know, people. So, I mean, they organized, they have, last year, they have organized a big dating event. So, I mean, this all thing, you know, they have done, you know, in a series. Is it, is it possible that Thailand could reverse the current low fertility rate? to increase the number of newborns. And I also wonder whether there is any country in the world that has been able to raise its fertility rate again after its decline. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is yeah, difficult, I mean, to answer, but well, like I said, um, fertility decisions involve so many factors, right? And right now we have like upward trend of singlehood like they remain singlehood, they not get married. And then we also have marriage, a higher percent of marriage, dissolution, divorce, right? And also we expecting, you know, we we kind of, you know, um, see the rising, it's a speculation, but we believe that um, the percent of same-sex couple is rising, right? And also, you know, there are some other challenges, like for women who delay the, their childbearing until um, late 30. You know, they, they said that they want to have baby when they're ready, but when they're ready, it's already, you know, over 35. But once they, they decide, they probably face um, with higher risks of infertilities, right? So, I mean, there were so many things. And then, I mean, speaking from right basis approach, Right. Um, then suggest that people who want to have a baby, the government must help them to have a baby, to help them achieve their own wish. But for those who don't want a baby, the government have to help them um, or prevent them from falling into pregnancy unintentionally. So, I mean, this, you know, given all circumstances, I would say, I don't know if fertility in Thailand could bounce back, you know, in the future. But let me, but you know, I, I think what for now, maintaining the current level, it's already a huge challenge for the country. Yeah, like one we have like now, we believe that it's 1.5 something, 1.53. So I think, you know, maintaining the, this level, it's already, uh, yeah, challenging. The record showed that, showed that France did, did it. So after two decades of declines, so France has fertility decline during 1970s and 1980s. And then the fertility rates um, start to picking up again in the late 1990s to more than two per woman. Um, so previous studies have shown that, you know, the success um, came from the combinations of the idea of modern family based on gender equalities, along with, you know, like um, the strong government policies, such as, you know, the giving tax incentive 
So in France, as well as Scandinavian countries where, where we observe fertility rates are higher than other countries in the same regions, we see that you know, in this country, uh, women have greater freedom of making choice and also have higher percent of employment. Both Dr. Hayashi of National Institute of Population and Social Security Research in Japan and Associate Professor Dr. Wirapon of Chulalongkorn University agree that raising fertility rate, or in simple terms, urging women to have more children, is simply not a decision of the couple alone. Raising a child these days is costly, particularly in any major cities in the world, and there are many factors that influence such decision of a couple. Couples will need support from their government in bringing up a child, needless to talk about more than one. Long maternity leave, accessibility and affordability of nursery and childcare, shared responsibilities between the father and mother in raising their child, and even providing affordable health insurance schemes for artificial reproductive services for couples who cannot have a child naturally are all decisive factors. Unlock the science hopes that we, the human being, will not become extinct in the foreseeable future as our members keep on shrinking. Unlock the science would like to thank Dr. Reiko Hayashi, Deputy Director General, National Institute of Population and Social Security Research in Japan, who is also President of Asian Population Association, and Associate Professor Dr. Wirapon Potisiri from College of Population Studies, Jilalongkorn University, for sharing their analysis and thoughts on the demographic challenges in Japan and Thailand. I hope you enjoy our program. You can listen to Unlock the Science on Jilal Radio Plus at FM 101.5 every Saturday from 1 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. You can also listen and follow us on our website, curadio.jula.ac.th and our Facebook page. Our show is also accessible as podcasts, including on Apple and Spotify. See you again next Saturday. Have a nice day. Unlock the Science is edited and produced by Sinfa Dunsorawood. <laughs>